Welcome, everybody, to No Filter Sports Podcast as we honor the memory of Dr. Martin Luther King, a martyr to the cause of civil rights and human rights in this country, a battle that unfortunately still must be waged more than 50 years after his assassination. Coming up on the show later on today, former University of Michigan star basketball player Phil Hubbard, and we got a lot to talk about with him. What was Dick Vitale like to play for when the Pistons drafted him number one, and he had an amazing basketball journey all over the world? Bob Page with you, as always, joined by Denny McLean, Brandon McAfee at the controls. And Denny, I'm thinking of you yesterday. You know, we we had that big pitching matchup, Tampa, New Orleans, and it was going to be Tom Brady versus Drew Brees. And how often in baseball do we have great pitching matchups? You're so excited. Denny McLean versus Bob Gibson, game one, 1968 World Series. And somehow they always seem to fizzle. That well, one did. That one did at least for you, from our standpoint. Well, and I this only Brady Breeze thing fizzled only too. Give up, but I only gave up a couple of runs. I mean, well, that's true. Yeah, nobody was going to hit him that day. Nope. I mean, we we could have played till Christmas. That's right. And, uh, I mean, he had struck out three thousand by then. <laughs> Way to uh, had such good stuff, you would not believe it. Way to take the lack of production from Drew Breeze and Tom Brady in that game and compare it to Denny McLean. <laughs> I'm talking about matchups because you're right. talking about, again, Brandon, the lack of production. Wouldn't you know it? Oh, boy, it's going to be Brady versus Breeze. No, it's not. It's going to be those guys versus the opposing defenses. This game is a 6-3 to three snoozer. Second quarter when Breeze horse manure pass is picked off by Sean Murphy Bunting out of where, boys? Central Michigan University returns it to the Saints three. Next play, Brady hits Mike Evans for a TD. The Bucks up 10 to 6. Jameis Winston even came off the bench talking about a quarterback matchup that fizzled. Razzle dazzle touchdown pass. It was 13 to 10 for the Saints as Brady was 10 for 21 for 93 yards in the first half. Breeze 10 for 17, but for only 63 yards and his quarterback rating at halftime. 42, 13-13 at half, then 20-20 after the third quarter, 23-20 in the fourth, and fitting that it was Brady Bob. who snuck in for a touchdown to put it away. Just give me one second. Okay. Brady and Aaron Rodgers I'm giving now you about eight up. minutes so far. Go ahead. But, now, but I got to get through ex- the details of the game here. I think it. everybody just, saw the just, game. I, I hope that they did. I'm sure that they did. I'm just reminding people that, especially your age, with your enfeebled memory receding by the day. So Breeze through his breeze through his third interception before the end of that one, the final game of his career, perhaps 30 to 20 Tampa wins it. Now go, Denny. Uh, I think you uh, have done it. You have. I thought you had something you wanted to say. That's why you interrupted well, me. No, I, I would say that uh, this has got more to do with with us in the show and what have you. But I I would think that people. You come out and you do the play-by-play. That's fine. That's cute. Uh, but the thing about it is most people have seen the game, and they would just like to know more more involved our impressions of what the game looked like from our vantage point because we're supposed to be the experts. So, um, you know, it's, it's just one of those things. Just a little 
Yeah. Little antsy I, little pimple on my chest, yeah, you know? I guess so. Now that you've got that pimple off your chest, yeah. I want to say the same thing I've told people so often. We just happen to be television and radio sports commentators. Yeah. I don't think any of us are more expert than, than the average fan. And there are a lot of fans out there who know a lot more about this stuff than we do because they're gamblers, they're fantasy players. We just happen to be the people disseminating information, giving our opinions. And if you want some opinions on this one, the first game on Sunday... Cleveland at Kansas City against the Chiefs. A lot of fans. They can't, Man. How come there's so many fans at some games and so few at other games? They, I guess just a minute. They the let Kansas City in, I think, with 16,000 fans. Oh, I think I they allowed them. It sure looked like 40,000 to me at one time. Yeah, it, I know. They had a ton of them. And they only said yeah. 9,000 were in Green Bay, but they were loud. I'm telling loud. you, you the could finally. Buffalo fans were loud, too. I mean, this is pent up emotion out there. About yeah, this. and you can really and, tell and, you because. You know, we haven't had we haven't had audiences. We haven't had live. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's crazy. And And have you ever been to the Green Bay Stadium? No. Not to see a game. Thank you. But I've been there, but not to see a game. No, thanks. It's a small. So the the noise isn't going to go as far as it would in one of the great big stadiums like Dallas. So uh, the, the noise stays within the bowl. And, uh, man, I'll tell you, they can make some noise up there. Well, one of the things we learned, speaking of fans making noise, there they were in Kansas City all doing the tomahawk chop and the war song at the start of the game. Who knew that Kansas City was such a racist town? Who knew that? The Kansas City football team, we can't call them the Chiefs, of course. They took the opening kickoff. They marched 75 yards. Mahomes running it in for a touchdown. Their kicker. Did you, did you hear this? He missed six extra points yeah, during the regular I, season. I can't believe it. They're lucky he's still got a job, but he's a hell yeah. of a field goal kicker. But he missed this extra point. Yeah. So it was only 6 nothing at that point. Then 19-3 to at the half. Mahomes was already limping. What a gutsy performance he staged. And KO'd by that concussion, they said. I don't yeah. think it was in the third quarter. And Chad Henney has to come in the former Michigan quarterback, and Nansen Romo on TV pressed the panic button. Oh, my God, what are they going to do without Mahomes? And Henny did quickly throw that interception. Here's what I thought about. You know what I thought about? Huh. I thought about November 3rd, 2007, the game in East Lansing, Michigan. State leading the Wolverines 24-14 to in the third quarter, and they still led it 24-21 in the fourth quarter. Chad Henney in terrible pain due to a knee injury he'd suffer, somehow led Michigan to victory anyway. Two touchdown drives he engineered in the final 7 minutes, 35 seconds, capping it off with a 31-yard touchdown pass to Mario Manningham, and Michigan beat State that day 28-24. to This is, I mean, Chad Henney had had an up-and-down career at Michigan. I was kind of, you know, iffy about him, kind of wishy-washy one way or the other. He sold me that day, and now he's 35 years old, and so I didn't have any fears whatsoever for Kansas City when he came in. By the way, that, of course, was also the infamous game after which Mike Hart made his remark about beating your little brother. So Henny was terrific the way it worked out with yeah, that well, tremendous scramble at the end of the game and then the flat pass to put it away in a 22-17 final, Denny. Unbelievable. It was just unbelievable. It, uh, miracles do happen, don't they, on the ice and or otherwise. And listen, I think you're probably the only guy that cared would, would recall the Michigan game. I, I oh, really no, because no, Chad Henney came in. That's the first thing a lot of us thought about, how gutsy he was in that yesterday, Michigan State game. 
Yeah, and then, you know, afterwards, a lot of people thought after seeing, you know, all the games finished, are we going to see a Michigan Super Bowl with Henny versus Brady? Because we don't know if Patrick Mahomes is going to be Now, he's going to be fine. They're saying already he's going to play. They got to work on his foot. He didn't suffer a concussion, though. They said that he did. You can say he wasn't even hit on the head when he went out of the game. He'll play. If if, If it's my 500 million that you're risking, I really, really have them checked out by the Mayo Clinic, the UCLA School of Medicine, the Chicago, Illinois School of Medicine. I make sure that every ounce of his body has been checked in one form or another. But Jake Laser has said that he uh, that he, he is going to probably play. So, yeah, yeah. I just don't have any question in a game of this magnitude. Of course, he's going to play and he's a yeah, young he's, guy too. He's what he's what we call a gamer. He's an old yeah, timer. He, yeah. Powers loves, of recuperation. And he loves to play. God yeah. almighty. Does he love to play? I mean, the way he struts and the swag that he does out there swagger and, and he's, and you know what? He's not doing it and throwing it in anybody's face. He's just, that's him. That's the way he moves around. That's the way he runs. That's the way he walks. I mean, I, uh, I got a, a lot of likeness for this guy. I mean, he's, he's a real, real player. I mean, a real one. Brandon, you're not going to believe this, but I heard somebody say recently that Patrick Mahomes is the greatest quarterback in the history of football. Did you hear that? I, I think I said that. did hear that. Oh, that's all. Oh, it was Danny McLean who said that on this very show. That's right. Now I remember. Thanks for jogging my memory. You guys were talking about the fans a couple of minutes ago. Cool to see so many fans in the stands at Lambeau. A bummer to see the game time temperature only 35. But soon you could see the snow flurries start to come down. And for just that one moment, fellas, life was good again. And there's so many unfamiliar names to us in all of these games. I mean, Brandon may know most of them uh, because of his fantasy football playing. I knew them all as a boy because I collected football cards. And now the Packers have a left guard named Elgton Jenkins. He's going to the Pro Bowl. Who? But you quickly found out who this guy was from the way he absolutely stymied Aaron Donald in that game. The high point of the game, the Packers conservative on offense, methodical. It was 19-10. Yeah, that was a high point of the game, offensive line play. And then when Aaron Jones had that 60-yard run up the middle to start the third quarter, his short TD run after made it 25-10, two points failed. But that game was essentially over 32-8. to was the final and how about baltimore at buffalo on saturday night no snow i was kind of looking forward to that we didn't have snow but the wind i thought ruined the game josh allen couldn't throw very well in the wind lamar jackson barely tried to throw kind of a boring slog just i couldn't could you could you believe the way justin missed those field goals because of the wind but but both both teams are playing in the wind both sure both teams are playing on the same grass and what have you so if you can't play with the big boys you don't play with the big boys but it's just i'm talking about the quality of play denny yeah it's just kind of i mean i just but that's what the weather does bob to the game does baseball football whatever you know except for basketball Three three at halftime. Then yeah. it was ten to three Buffalo. Last minute of the third quarter. Finally, folks, some excitement. The Ravens about to score the tying touchdown from the Bills nine yard line. And then Hill off the right shoulder, the snap. Lamar Jackson back to throw. Guns it into the end zone. Intercepted. 
Two yep. yards deep in the end zone, intercepted by Taron Johnson, and he brings it out, and he's still on the run. He may go all the way. He's at the Baltimore 40, the 30, gets a block at the 20, 10, 5, touchdown! Touchdown! Taron Johnson goes 102 yards with an end zone interception. Touchdown, Buffalo! Wow! Unbelievable! The play of the season! Katie Atala was a Buffalo broadcast. John Murphy yeah, at the microphone. So. I, I believe so. I mean, that one wouldn't be very hard. I hope they bought some lotto tickets. 101-yard touchdown run. It, that was pretty interesting. Tied the all-time NFL postseason mm-hmm. record for longest play, 17-3. to The Packers' George Teague was the other guy who had it against, naturally, the FLs in 1993. <laughs> Then the first play of the fourth quarter, Jackson got knocked out of the game with a concussion when backup quarterback Tyler Huntley missed a wide-open touchdown throw on fourth and eight. It was basically all over, 17-3 to Bills, as they now move on to the AFC title game against Kansas City. So, boys, the stage is set. This coming Sunday, it's Tampa at Green Bay. That's the 3 o'clock kickoff. The line on that game, Packers are a three-and-a-half-point favorite followed by Buffalo at KC. That's a 640 kickoff, and the Chiefs are a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Take it away, gentlemen. I'm just worried about the quarterbacks that don't sit in a system. There's certain guys that don't sit in the system. There's certain guys that all of a sudden become a one-play player in big ball games. I saw it in baseball. I saw it in basketball. I've seen it everywhere. I think Green Bay will win. I, I don't think there's any question they're going to win. You're saying Tom and- Brady doesn't fit the Buccaneer system? He fits on the Tom Brady is fitting his own system. Tom Brady is running that club. God bless him. Listen, I'm pulling for Brady. I'm pulling for Brady, but that's not what happened at all. He and Bruce Arians really ironed out a compromise once he got down there and they had some difficulty at first doing that. This isn't just Brady at all. Right. Oh no, I understand that. And I'm not upset with Brady. I think Brady's a great, great, great quarterback. Obviously he's been around for a hundred years. But uh, I just think that uh, green Bay is going to be there all the way. I agree with that. I'd I'd like to see a green Bay Buffalo matchup in the super bowl. That'd be fun for me to watch on a personal level. But also I think that I've seen Aaron Rodgers go out and be Aaron Rodgers this year and throwing it in the face of the Packers who drafted a quarterback in the first round and made him very angry. And then I see a Bills team that reminds me of the the lowly Lions. And sure, we know that they've made it to Super Bowls in the past, but over the course of the last 20 years, they've been garbage. So they can kind of give me hope when I see a team like that make it. And that, to me, would be the the, the ideal Super Bowl matchup. Boys, the Super Bowl is going to be played February 7th. You know where, right? You know where? Florida. Very good. What's what city in Florida? Tampa or Miami? Very good. You're right. Tampa. So what does that mean? That means if the Bucks win at Green Bay, why couldn't they? They got a home game in the oh Super Bowl. Oh, my God, yes. And the hell of it is, I've been checking this out Monday morning as we record this, the NFL has yet to announce any policy regarding fans in the stands for the yeah. Super Bowl. So we don't know what they're going to do. Wouldn't that be something if, if if Tampa did make it to the Super Bowl, if they can beat Green Bay, and then fans were severely delimited so there wouldn't be any kind of home field advantage at all? We, we, you know, we just don't know as of yet. Well, you know, the thing about it, whether they allow 10,000 fans in or no fans at all, it's still going to be very quiet because I can't imagine them opening up the gates for 50,000 people. Can you? No. 
Not really. I mean, that's not, impossible. Not, yeah. And not I don't know what's and, going and, on. And when they go, according to what I read about uh, two weeks ago, what does it cost to secure a football field in the NFL uh, for a Sunday game? They were estimating 27 or $28 million with all the security, all of the vehicles and everything else. It's about $27 million. That's a lot of money. And But you know what we've learned? The NFL makes a couple shekels. <laughs> you dreaming about someday retiring to Florida? Coming down where I'm speaking to you today from my pseudo-retirement home in West Palm Beach. It's a noble pursuit, folks. And it if is. you are, you better have the money to do it. And if you want the money to do it, one thing we do know is that Luke Nowacki can help you get there. That's right. We've been telling you for a long time here that Luke's track record of success with his pinnacle wealth strategies and his decades of experience is going to enable him to set you up, create a custom solution for you. What you want to do is call Luke. The number is 248-663-4748. And he's going to set up a complimentary consultation for you. So in other words, you're not paying anything to talk to him. It's a relaxed atmosphere. Then if you feel comfortable with what Luke lays out for you, what he has to say employ him he's helped so many people he's ethical he's knowledgeable he's caring number again is 248-663-4748 luke nowacki and his advisory services offered through royal alliance associates you're listening to the no filter sports podcast so anyway now that the new orleans saints are out of it boys the fls can go ahead and apparently hire Dan Campbell as their latest head coach. Campbell, former NFL tight end, played for the FL, as you may recall, in 2006 to 2008. He's now in his fifth season with New Orleans. He's been their tight ends coach, but he's also assistant head coach. Started his coaching career in 2010 with the Dolphins. He coached tight ends. That's what he knows for most of his tenure in Miami. And he was even interim head coach of the Dolphins once after Joe Philbin was fired in 2015. He went five and seven, big deal, just a 12 game. I mean, you know, what do you want to say about this? We don't know Dan Campbell, you know, you know, as they always say, hey, let's give the guy a chance, right? That's right. And we're going to give him another chance as long as he wins the first game. Yeah, well, I, I think it's going to be more than that. Uh, uh, he'll get a bigger chance than that uh, because you, you never think know it'll what's be more than that. These guys, yes, I think so. Now, as you know, uh, Dearborn native Robert Sala mm-hmm. was named the latest head coach of the Jets on Friday. He yes. replaced fellow Michigan native Adam Gase of Marshall, who was dumped after just two years for rank incompetence and a consistent inability. This fells a lot of New York coaches and managers. Take it from me, folks. A consistent inability to deal with the New York media so did the fl's mess up again they interviewed salah some media sources say that interview did not go well no idea if that's true i don't even know what that means okay so well the, the i mean you know you don't know about this stuff that's right and i mean some of the questions might be confusing complicated i mean i don't know but salah was promoted as the number one guy for quite some time. I don't know how he wound up not getting the job because they were so high on him and because of his relationship with uh, the guy from Ohio State. So that surprised me because I really thought he was going to get the job. And here's my other question, although I, I think I know the answer to this. Why wouldn't they go after the guy at Ohio State and let if he wants to coach in the NFL, let's let him coach. Are you talking Urban Meyer? Yeah. yeah. Well, it's easy. That's an easy one. That's a good question. No, no. Why is that easy? 
because it's Urban Meyer's decision, and he would rather play with the Jacksonville Jaguars for a couple reasons. One, he has a history in Florida, a very successful history in Florida. And two, the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to be rebuilt from the yeah, bottom no, up. No, no, Brandon, they have a you're million right. We, we understand picks. that. That's not, that's not what Denny asked. Denny asked, and we don't know about this either, why didn't the Lions go after Urban Meyer? Well, they Maybe probably they did. did. What, what interest would Urban Meyer have I to agree. come to you're the Detroit right. Lions? Number one, he's going to piss off all his former fans from Ohio. Number two, well, Brandon, he's got, there's more desirable Brandon, do you gigs. think? do you think that he is going to go coach the Jags because he wants to coach the Jags? Yep. His whole deal right now is based upon a lot of money. Somewhere around no, 10 million. Not everybody is controlled money. by money. A he's already got a lot of, of money. You think they're going to get him for chump change? Uh-uh. Uh-uh. He got real money. So it that's the reason oh, he went. No, no. I'm that's not the reason he went. It. The reason because he Because if he really wanted to discount the money a little bit, there were 10 teams this year looking for a coach. Money's not everything, Kenny. Had, this guy's already rich. As many coaching jobs as you could find. Denny, listen, the guy's already loaded. He doesn't need the money. Anywhere he, I understand anywhere that, he goes, he would get the more. money. The Jacksonville Jaguars have a lot of picks. They have a lot of firsts. They have a lot of seconds. And they have them for multiple years. They have a bunch this year, a well, bunch Brandon, next you're year, totally right. and the following year. They're going to have yeah. Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields that they can build around. He's going to be able to put together his own team. Yeah. Now, the Fords, what they've decided was right after our broadcast on Thursday, they went out and they hired Brad Holmes. Right. And so Brad Holmes has come in from the Rams. And I think that they're going to establish, you know, with this Dan Campbell, that's the new leadership. And we'll just have to see. It's now the Dan Campbell era, if there is such a thing, because we always have all these eras because they don't last very long. So hopefully this one does. And hopefully with this guy's pedigree as uh, apparently he's some strategic draft genius in Sheila, we trust. That's that. That's what it is, right? ISWT. She was the one authoring most of the quotes I saw about bringing in Holmes in. So, I mean, I you know, again, should they have hired this guy? I, I don't know. Should they have hired Sala? But here's the thing: I'm not supposed to know. We're not supposed to know. The FLs are supposed to know because this is their business. And given the Ford family's abysmal, laughable inability to make these decisions correctly, do you trust in Sheila? Now, how about this? The hot assistant in the NFL was supposed to be Chiefs offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy. The FLs didn't want him. I guess they interviewed yeah, him. Yeah, I can't believe that. And strangely I, I, I enough, he really thought he had a shot. Well, here's the thing. Nobody else, have you noticed this, in the NFL hired him either. Yeah. What happened? A rap sheet from his past. Colorado police arrested Eric Bieniemy and a teammate following a February 1998 bar fight. He was charged with disorderly conduct and fighting in public, pleaded no contest. According to the Orlando Sentinel, Bieniemy also pleaded no contest after allegedly shoving a firefighter in 1990. Colorado, the university where he played, suspended Bieniemy for one game in the upcoming season. Then Colorado police once again arrested him. By then he was in the NFL in September of 1993 for allegedly grabbing a female parking attendant by the neck and threatening her. The University of Colorado yes. then banned Bienemy from its campus for one year as a result. Now, this stuff was some 20 years ago, almost 25 years ago. Should that matter? 
I don't think it should matter, but you got to have a different kind of owner than we have in Detroit. I'm, they're very conservative. They all passed, Danny. Yeah, every NFL team passed, not just the well, NFL. It's interesting you say that, though, because here they hired Dan Campbell, and over the weekend, we, or they're going to hire, yes. excuse me, they're going right, to go hire ahead. Dan Campbell. But over the weekend, we saw that he had comments, homophobic comments from back when he was in college. Yeah. And then it turns out the writer of the Free Press article who exposed it had homophobic tweets. And so it's just this huge fire, firestorm. Everybody is always out to cancel the next person. Everybody yeah. is always out to make sure that the next person cannot get a job, or if they currently have a job, get them out of that role. Right. Well, did you I see what like he that. said, Brandon? You see what he said? So Dan Campbell was speaking. Now, he's a college kid, right? Yeah. He's speaking at a pep rally called the Aggie Bonfire. He played at Texas A&M. This is before a game against big rival Texas in 1998. 1998. So he was a senior. He's talking to some 40,000 students, staff members, and alumni, and some of them were outraged when he criticized Texas. You know, it's a pretty liberal institution. Expressing his hatred for the Longhorns, Campbell said he was proud to attend a university where, quote, men like women and women like men. And and that's what he got in trouble for. And, and, and so know, they're bringing and this I, up now. They're bringing this up now. I understand that he got in trouble for that. And you know Big it was tongue in cheek. He didn't mean of it. Of course. I mean, it's, you know he's in a he's in like a, a pep pep rooms uh, celebration. The the adrenaline is flowing, and lots of things can, can fly in out of your mouth if you've got ten thousand people sitting there applauding every time you take a deep breath. And that's probably what happened. And I want to add this, though I'm always critical of the feckless Detroit sports media in general. Kudos to Carlos Monterez of the Detroit Free Press for his Friday story, which was entitled, Why Detroit Lions Hiring of Brad Holmes as GM is Another Fail for the Franchise. Mm-hmm. Now, you read this article, and Carlos pointed out that if you look at the Los Angeles Rams organizational chart, the new Lions GM, Brad Holmes, is listed five spots beneath the team's general manager, Les Sneed. Five spots beneath him. And that's the guy they hired as their GM, not the number two guy. Of course, another story in the paper actually had the headline, quote, why the Lions might have a superstar GM in Holmes. You know, like gag me with a spoon. Where did that come from? Right? Don't also know. the Detroit Free Press. You know, it's just spoon fed some of this stuff to, to, to some of these guys, but Monterey, I mean, I don't know if Carlos Monterey is right. Maybe this guy is going to be great. I don't have any idea, but I don't trust the lions. And then yeah, we have well, to talk the, about the briefly. lions have been uh, uh, soft for a very long time, really a long time. And you know, it, you, you begin to wonder at times, I just can't get over how soft it. Listen, when you got a club losing 12 and 13 games every year, it's tough to say, boy, what a great catch he made in the third period with one minute to go. I mean, nothing is good when you're losing 12 and 13 games a year. Nothing. Not a, not a one pass, not one fumble, not anything. Not even you, Bob. Not any good when you're 12 losing ball games. I stay out of that stuff, man. I'm a reporter. We have to talk about college football. Note: Jim Harbaugh hired a new defensive coordinator. This is Mike McDonald, who comes in from the Ravens. Highly recommended by head coach uh, John Harbaugh, Jim's brother. So this guy McDonald, I mean, this is a big job at Michigan. The this is a big job at Michigan. He was only the linebackers coach in Baltimore. Ex-Michigan linebacker Chris Wormley played for him. Says he likes him a lot. Good guy. McDonald, though, has never called plays before as a coordinator. Furthermore, he has not coached in college football 
in seven years, since 2013. And that was only as an off-the-field assistant at Georgia. Remember this, recruiting is just as big a part of their jobs. You know, Mike McDonald's only 33. He should have a lot of energy. We, we, we think he apparently can relate to younger players. So, I mean, you know, whatever. Let's see. We'll see how the guy works out. I've learned the last couple of years one thing, that the communication between a coach and the players is paramount to just about anything else. Most of these guys know what a 31 pick is. They know what a, all of these different uh, plays that they got to make. But the communication, I think, is the name of the game. No surprise, but still sad to see it end this way. No takers for Jimmy Howard, who said he wanted to play again this year. So it's being reported that the longtime Wings goalie is going to announce his retirement at some point later this week. And you know what? It's time. I mean, he's 36, such a good guy. Yeah. He had a nightmare season last year, albeit with an awful Red Wings team in front of him. 2-23 and 2 was his record, along with a 4.2 goals against average and an 882 save percentage. Wings are the only team Howie ever played for. 14 seasons. And when he was on, and you folks remember when Jimmy Howard, Howard would go into Madison Square Garden to play the Rangers so often. He was just great. As it is, his games played and his wins totals are both third in Detroit Red Wings franchise history behind only the immortal Terry Sawchuk and then Chris Osgood. How he also appeared in 48 playoff games for the Wings, led them to the second round on three separate occasions. And also, this is maybe a little surprising, no takers for ex-Michigan State star Justin Abdelkader so far. He's just 33 years old, coming off a you know, bad season. Uh, the Wings did not resign him, and he had so much class, he posted that big full-page ad in the, the Detroit papers thanking the Wings fans. Now, as, far as, as far as the current Wings go, um, Brandon, I presume you watched the games, Denny. I don't know what I thought. Both Thomas Grice and Jonathan Bernier looked solid in the Nets the first two games. Grice was a surprise starter in the opener. Lost three to nothing to Carolina Thursday night. Now, he was supposed to be the backup, I thought, to Bernier, who then started Saturday night in the rematch and won four to two. It's the difference the only, between the two games? It's the only game that I can't sit there and watch without a crowd. I cannot sit there and watch the hockey game without anybody there. But it's you can just, watch basketball. I, I feel but, like I'm in a, a garage. Okay, but how about basketball? Can you watch basketball with basketball, nobody there? I can watch a quarter or two, yeah. Just a quarter or two. Yeah. Well, you yeah. know, the first game to me, it looked exactly like last year's Red Wings. I was pretty. Absolutely. It was horrifying. I was it? very yeah. disappointed in the, I mean, just the, the shot total was bad. It just, it yeah. looked, it, I watched that game and I said, oh boy, it's going to be a long season. But the second game gave me a lot of hope. I, I saw that second game. I thought they played really well. They played the same team. So. I, I'm really going to enjoy this season based on this schedule because I, I really feel like a lot of stuff is going to boil over game to game. When you start playing these guys over and over and over, and we're only playing a select few teams, you can really develop some rivalries. Yeah. And even when you're a bad team and you're not expected to make the playoffs, when you have those rivalries, it makes it enjoyable as a fan. Well, you know what they're doing now is we record this on Monday morning. The Wings, let me look at the clock right here. Was it, it's eleven seventeen right now. In forty five minutes, the Wings are playing Columbus noon 
on Monday. So by the time you're hearing this, that game is history, and they're going to play, you know, the Blue Jackets how many times this year? I really don't know. Talk about rivalries. Well, is they already it, had is that just because... Is, and then the rematch comes up Tuesday that's night. That's for the holiday. Also downtown yeah, I think that's Detroit. just because of the yeah. holiday. We're not going to see normal Monday noon games. No. Yeah, but they're no. playing them again on Tuesday night. Okay, sure. so it's Monday afternoon, and then on Tuesday night. And COVID playing such a, you know, big role uh, sure. in these games already. We talk about the difference between the Wings opening game and the second game against Carolina. Well, Jordan Stahl had a really good game Thursday night. Then he wasn't allowed to play Saturday night in a loss to Detroit because of COVID. Not only that, league rules dictate apparently that Stahl has to quarantine for 14 days. And Mickey Redmond said on the broadcast that he might have to spend those two weeks holed up in a hotel room in Detroit. Brother Mark Sal plays for the Wings, of course, but he couldn't stay at Mark's house because he's contaminated, right? And they couldn't even have dinner together in Detroit on Friday evening between the two games. I'm telling you. Hey, we want to say a big thank you to Hall Financial for being such a great supporter of the show and all the shows on Drew Lane's Red Shovel Network. We've been telling you for some time now that mortgage interest rates are currently in the twos, the twos. So call today and find out how much refinancing your mortgage could save you every single month. You just go to our website, nofiltersportspodcast.com, and there you'll see the Hall Financial link. Click it to get started or give them a call at their easy-to-remember phone number, 248-308-5000. That's 248-308-5000. Find out how quick and how easy the Hall process is, and make sure you tell them that No Filter Sports Podcast with Eli Zarrett, Danny McLean, and Bob Page sent you. You're listening to the No Filter Sports Podcast. The Michigan State's big CBS TV game with Indiana on Sunday was canceled due to COVID. Now Josh Langford has come down with it too. He won't play, they're saying, if Michigan State is even able to play its next game. That would be this Saturday at home against Illinois. How about round two? Michigan versus Minnesota. I'm not going to tell you guys that I predicted here that Michigan would lose. I just said it looked like they could lose that game. It was a trap waiting to happen. Round two was Lee Robbins versus Hunter Dickinson. (laughs) And you're the guy, Danny, who said, no way, Michigan's losing. Yeah? I I wanted them to go undefeated. Well, these games are supposed to be enjoyable. Yes, even if Michigan loses. But instead of being enjoyable, this particular game, and one of many like it I've already seen this year, being forced to listen to Dan Dockich is nothing but a two-hour assault on one's senses. This guy is so squirrely. That's the only word I can come up with. He's yelling at us. He's not talking to us. He's yelling at us. Everything is a superlative. He's talking about, did you hear this? He's talking about an assistant coach at Drake the other day. And Dockage, so typical, says, this guy, whatever his name was, he's the best assistant coach in the country. Oh, my God. Really? Really? There's 30 to 23 at, at, at halftime, Michigan down in just their third road game of the year. But so what? I mean, the home game, road game, nobody's at these games. Should it make that big a difference? Maybe it does. Is Michigan I overrated? I, don't, I, I, I think so. I don't know how it can make a difference. I, 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 I don't either, Danny. I, I really I don't get that. It's, it's so like I, si- I, I can hear him running up and down the floor or skating up and down the floor. But yeah. man, it's it's you look out there and there's barely anybody moving. Yeah. And, I know uh, what I, I know what made a difference. Crazy. I know what made a difference. Franz Wagner scoring zero points in that game until five minutes were gone in the second half. And by the way, Dan Dockich's comment about Wagner. Yeah, he is quote 
the best NBA prospect in the Big Ten. Really? Is that right? <laughs> He's been saying that. But that's the way Dan Dockage speaks. Boy, so he Dickinson, uses some adjectives, doesn't he? Uh, yeah, huh? Dickinson's been Dickinson has been asleep for two games. I don't know why. They did a good job on him defensively, but they finally took him out. And Juwan went to Zeb Jackson, who's a great prospect, but he didn't play this early with just 13 minutes left in the second half. Now, Eli Brooks missed the game with an injured foot, not supposed to be too serious, but that definitely hurt. And then at one point, somebody fell into a bench over by the press row where Sid Hartman, the legendary Minneapolis columnist, oh, would have yeah, sat. Good man. What did Dockage say to that? The best reporter ever. <laughs> he actually said that on the broadcast. Do you know, God, do you somebody know that, help us, please. Do you know that he never ripped a player in his lifetime? But the best reporter ever. Best reporter ever. So then I guess Doc is just feeling guilty about uh, his performance and some of these superlatives. So he says, he says to me, this is a quote on the broadcast. Yeah. He says, you know, people crush me on Twitter. They say, you stink, Dockage. Well, that's so true. He does. And Michigan stunk in this game as well. 75-57. Michigan now takes on Maryland Tuesday. Please, God, if you're listening up there, put Robbie Hummel on the game and kick Hunter Dickinson in the butt while you're at it. Knows what's going on there. I, I don't know. You know what? Um, we don't like this. Indiana Pacers wing, the former Michigan star, Karis LeVert, is out indefinitely after an MRI revealed a small mass on his left kidney. Mm. This was announced on Saturday. Mass was found during a physical prior to the Pacers finalizing their trade to acquire Levert. So he's going to undergo further tests. We haven't heard yet as we record this, that James Harden 14 deal, which sent Levert to Indiana, has been affected. I guess Brooklyn has given some extra draft choices and cash. Harden, did you see this, made his debut with Brooklyn on Saturday spectacular triple-double in a win over Orlando. 32 points, 14 assists, of course, boards. Of course. Yeah. Kenny always happy again. KD yeah. had 41 points, but resident airhead Kyrie Irving remained away, like being videotaped at birthday parties, doing whatever he's doing. And there's no truth to the rumor that the Nets will petition the NBA to be allowed to use two basketballs at the same time when and if he rejoins the team. I wonder I wonder if he's got a leg – I mean, the, I guess the ownership hasn't said much. I mean, they got to be a little disappointed. But the guy – how do you get away with this? That's what I don't understand. Get away with what? Not showing up. Oh, they, they've given him leave. I, I don't think they're paying him to do this, but, yeah, I – you know, I, I, I you're asking a good question. Yeah, you're I mean, you know, question. the bottom line is he's making so much money, so much. Yeah. I mean, maybe he just says, ah, what the hell's another 20 yeah. grand? You know, yeah, they don't, 20 grand. It, are you kidding? A lot more than that. Well, the, um, about a, on a daily basis, I think they would be debiting. Yeah, him, he, uh, Kyrie makes 20 million up. a year. Huh? Kyrie makes 20 million a year. That's Kyrie all, huh? makes 20 million a year. Yeah. What's That's that amount all? to? Yeah, what's that amount to on a per game basis? Well, he's probably so, what they're docking him. He doesn't care. So far, he's. He, I think he's forfeited uh, around eight hundred thousand dollars in salary. Oh, peanuts, chump God. change, just nothing, yeah. just nothing. The um the Pistons are down here in South Florida to play the Miami Heat. They're playing Monday afternoon, Martin Luther right. King Day special. Saturday night, amazingly, the Pistons with the worst record in the NBA going in beat the Heat. Yes, pun intended. And by the way, also Friday night, Brandon. Cleveland beat the Knicks as Andre Drummond had 33 points, 23 yeah. rebounds in that game. Cool. Yeah. Let me know how he does in the playoffs. 
<laughs> and I watched the Dallas-Milwaukee game won by the Bucks that night as Chris Middleton, another one the Pistons let get away foolishly, had 25 points. It's not as though they don't get good enough players to win. The Pistons just let them go to other teams. Now, Giannis had 31 to lead all scorers. Anybody who plays the Bucks in this postseason where Milwaukee has not been good, you know what they're going to do? They're going to play hack-a-shack with him. If they're smart, they will. Giannis remains his total joke at the free throw line. He was one for 10 in that game. And the NBA itself remains a total joke through no fault of its own, but due to COVID. So I watched the Heat's game at Philly Thursday night. Miami had no chance to win. They dressed only eight players. That's all they had due to COVID protocol. Resident superstar Jimmy Butler could not play. Neither could the kid from Oakland University, nor could Goran Drazic. Instead, Miami lineup featured somebody named Gabe Vincent right from the G League Sioux Falls Sky Force, who actually looked like a good NBA point guard. They also were using such basketball luminaries as Precious Achua Hmm. and somebody on Saturday named Kiz Okpala was in Miami's starting lineup. That first name, it's spelled KZ. That's his first name. His parents are Nigerian. Well, let's and because call him KZ from now on. KZ. We're and having because trouble they, with KZ. <laughs> and, and Danny, because they only had eight players, yeah. Miami played a 2-3 zone most of the game. Well, you can't do that against no, any you can't. NBA and, team. And let me tell you one thought. You're going to have only eight players out there. You, somebody's going to get hurt because somebody's playing way too long in spurts. Yeah. And that's what's going to happen. You may lose your best player. You may lose a couple of players. But, uh, boy, there's not much foresight here at all for this. Uh, that's, this that's a this good is point. an accident waiting to happen. It, it, it's a good point. Now, you can't play a zone against any NBA no. team consistently because they're NBA players. They're going to shoot the lights out. But they're doing it because otherwise they'd have to play man-to-man. And as you point out, that's tiring. Ooh. And you're going to pick up more fouls in a man-to-man defense. So Miami coach Eric Spolstra, who is the grandson of Denny, the longtime Watson. Detroit news writer, Watson Spolstra. Watson, the man him. who I dumped the water in. And you had a run with Jim Hawkins, too, with a free press back. Yeah, but he, he, he uh, knew about it. Yeah. So, I mean, Miami had no chance. Spolstra right. had no choice. And Miami had no chance. And this is what's going on in the NBA of today. Let's it's, talk about since Watson Spolstra. Can we talk about a couple of baseball notes here, Denny? Yeah, I got some. It's, I got uh, that. I'm uh, mm-hmm. still trying to figure out why the Tigers aren't signing anybody. Uh, you've had Springer go through here. I've mentioned this stuff before, but I don't get it. You've got, and they made an announcement in the paper. Uh, I don't know if it was yesterday or the day before. Uh, we've got this. We've got a good minor league system. We've got good pitching. We've got good this, good this. And we got money. That's the last thing he said. So let's spend it, Bob. If they don't want to spend it, you and I'll go down there and ask for some money, and we'll spend it. We'll, we'll find a guy. Springer. Let's get Springer. Let's get anybody that can start the nucleus of a baseball team. You'd think that there'd be some interest in Springer, considering A.J. Hinch yeah. coached him and stuff. And, and, and that's another thing. Do you think A.J. Hinch, who was a pretty sought after head coach candidate throughout the entire league. Do you yeah. think he would accept this job knowing that, Hey, by the way, we're not going to give you any players. Uh, you're basically just going to have to develop everybody from the farm. No, make some moves. Look at the Mets. The Mets and the White Sox are just making moves, moves, moves. The San Diego Padres getting Blake Snell. Everybody's making moves or at least inquiring. And right yeah. now 
the only people that seem to be interested in George Springer are the New York Mets, go figure, and uh, the, the Toronto Blue Jays. So make some moves. I'm, I'm with you. The obvious move, boys, is to sign a local product. The former Birmingham Brother Rice High School standout, DJ LeMayhew, who yeah. just re-upped with the Yankees. And, and not by baseball standards, a ton of money. Six years at $15 million a year. But, but why does DJ want to play in Detroit or why would Springer or anybody else when Al Avila and Chris Illich have not shown a willingness to build a winner here. Yeah. You can get you can get big money by going any place these days if all things are equal or even close to equal, go with a team where you can win. I mean so the strange thing about LeMayhew huh? is they were talking 250 300 million at one time and now he's he's going to take 90 million over the next six years. Yeah, I guess and they did some weird stuff with that contract yeah, too. Cause right, the Yankees right. are spending a lot and they of always money. do when it gets down the nut cutting time. They just got yeah. Corey Kluber, right? Yeah. The uh, one thing the tigers did do and how's this for ensuring a pennant after failing to get the tigers manager job, LA Dodgers coach, George Lombard, who played briefly for the tigers oh, has yeah. now been hired as tigers bench coach. How about that? Uh, but isn't that exciting news? You know, it's something I've been preaching for 40 years. Why is it? Why is it that the best friend of the manager is always sitting on the bench and he's got little or no ability. He's had no career. His resume is a zero blank. And lo and behold, though, he's the guy that's making 250,000 a year sitting there watching the ball games well, every night. Well, the I bench guess. coaches there, they're, they're just trying to remind you of situational baseball, right? Hey, you remember now we got two out. Hey, I mean, I don't know exactly what these guys do. <laughs> I think since this guy wants to be a major league manager and has been interviewing, it speaks well of AJ Hinch that he'd be secure enough to hire what could be the Detroit Tigers manager and waiting. Well, but maybe Bob, he was, maybe, maybe, maybe they made him hire him. I don't know. I doubt Bob, that. you got to remember now. That manager never picks up the phone to call the bullpen. He has his bench coach <laughs> call the <laughs> bullpen. So, I mean, that's the way this cookie crumbles. You know, uh, God, yeah, should, we, or should we make this a regular feature now? Baseball money madness. We've talked about this in our last show. After his hometown Chicago White Sox shelled out $51 million for a pitcher Denny McLean had never even heard of and who couldn't have carried Denny McLean's jockstrap. We have before us a former Tiger today, and I know you guys all remember Drew Smiley. Yeah. Late last week, the Braves signed pitcher Drew to a one-year, one-year, $11 million deal. Oh, my God. Based on the fact that he pitched 26 and a third innings last year in an abbreviated season, he was only 0-1 with the Giants, but he did post a 3.42 ERA. I mean, it has to be worth That's $11 good. million, dollars, right? Yeah. In the previous well, full keep this season, in mind, he's left-handed, so he's got a, a five. Yeah, if you can, first. if you if you can lift your left arm over your head, You're this is the way right. it's been in baseball. You got a job the last right. number of years. In the previous full season, Drew was with three different organizations plus a stint with AAA San Antonio. He had more than four times as many innings and starts for two major league teams combined, to the tune of a six point two four ERA. So, forget Denny McLean. He was a right-handed pitcher for the Tigers. Since Drew Smiley was a left-handed starting pitcher for the Tigers, I went to trustybaseballreference.com, where they actually list players' salaries for each year of their careers. How they get this info, I don't know, yeah. especially going back. But the highest salary, another left-handed starting Detroit pitcher named Mickey Lolich ever made was Denny? Guess. 300000 No, not even close. No, really? Not 150. even close. Not even close. 
Less than that, a hundred thousand dollars in both 1973 and 1974. Oh, that's my. the most money Mickey Lola's ever made. But Drew Smiley just got 11 million for one year. Oh my God! And you know what happened? And this will hit home with you because you've talked so much about this in the past. Your battles with Jim Campbell right. in 1974, after he made a hundred thousand dollars a year, Mickey lost 21 games. He went 16 and 21. So apparently Campbell cut him five grand because in 1975, which was Lola's last year in Detroit, Mickey pitched for only $95,000, not a hundred. And that's the way Campbell was. That's the way baseball was. Jokingly, jokingly. And I didn't know he was joking at first because this was a lot of money back when I played. They had offered me $95,000 and 69. And uh, he said, uh, I'm not really, I don't really want to give you a hundred grand. I says, why not? I, I says, I went 30 last year, 24 this year. You got to give me something better than what you're offering. He says, listen, you're lucky. I don't cut you by five or 10 grand because you didn't win 30 this year. So, you know, well, at least, at, at least you won a couple, at least you won a couple Cy Young awards and yeah. Corey Kluber did too. He also got $11 million the other day to sign with the Yankees, but he's on the downside of his career. His arm is bad. Hey, you folks listening in Toledo uh, on the radio, I want to say goodbye to you and thank you again for joining us, but log on to our website. We got Phil Hubbard coming up as our guest. We got your mailbag and much more. You have been listening to the no filter sports podcast. One other note, I want to run past both of you guys, and Brandon can probably comment a little better on this because he stays on top of it through his baseball fantasy leagues. There's an interesting article in USA Today's Monday editions. One of the writers is heavily promoting, and sometimes you need this, heavily promoting Scott Rowland for the Baseball Hall of Fame. Yeah, I saw that. You know, with the vote about to be released uh, coming up a little bit later on in January, his credentials, this is the fourth year Scott Rowland has been eligible to be elected. Okay. And um, he won, I mean, Scott Rowland, he won eight gold gloves. He's the top 15 all-time hitters among third basemen. He had a 17-year career. He had 316 homers, the 281 batting average. He's a seven-time All-Star. And if you think back, and I had to think back about this, he hit 421 against the Detroit Tigers in the World Series just a number of years ago. I was going to say, he did win that World Series with the uh, Cardinals in 06, yeah. Yeah, I remember yeah. What do you think about that? Scott Rowland in the Baseball Hall of Fame, or is he just another one of the guys who's very good? Until they put Freehand in an 11-time All-Star. Different position. I I don't care. Period. I know. He was Rookie of the Year, played for the Phillies, the Cardinals, and then the Reds. He really liked wearing the color red, though he did play yeah, for the did, Toronto yeah. Blue Jays in 08. But, uh, yeah, I just don't see the credentials there. I always thought of the Baseball Hall of Fame as being the hardest one to get into. And, sure, Golden Gloves and All-Star Games are great. A Rookie of the Year is fantastic. But when you think of the greatest hitters in the late 90s and early 2000s, I don't think Scott Rowland comes close. He's another one of those guys who's a very good player, but but they've cheapened it. Some people would say they've ruined the Baseball Hall of Fame because they've been putting in guys who were very good players. But it used to be be just a home for the great. 281, I said. Oh, that's not bad. No, for a third. And it's a lot of gold gloves. It's a lot of home runs. And as far as freehand goes, look, Denny, uh, you're talking to a guy who grew up in Detroit catching i was a catcher literally baseball babe ruth baseball so we i i idolized bill freehand everything we did i used to try to run the way bill freehand did 
But Bill Freehan, who was by far the best catcher of his time with those 11 right. all-star nods, was the best catcher of his time and got to those games because there just wasn't anybody better. Freehan was not Johnny Bench, not even close to being Johnny Bench. Johnny, I Bench, just don't- Johnny Bench hit a little bit better. And- oh, yeah. Yeah. And Johnny Bench could throw a little bit, a better. lot better. But Freehand was a great mechanical yeah, catcher. I he know, really I know. I, I just don't. Something else. His value was really in running the game. That's where his big time value was. Can I ask a question? Because I honestly don't know yeah. this. What did Freehand do after his career? Did he ever get into coaching? Did he ever? I don't know because. Yeah, that's kind of a bad story. Went to Michigan, uh, didn't he? He went to Michigan to coach and uh, got in trouble there. Um, allegedly, he was giving players money uh, to come to Michigan. And uh, while I don't think they ever proved any of it, they asked him to resign, and he did. Yeah, they had a problem with Bud Middaw as baseball coach in Michigan later yeah. on as well. So they, they did have some problems in that program. Um, I, you know, I'd love in one sense for my one of my boyhood heroes to be in the Hall of Fame. I don't think Bill Freehan's a Hall of Famer, Danny. I'm sorry. And it, neither does anybody else. Which well, is why I don't eleven times, Bob. I can only tell you eleven, I know, twelve times. We got, I know. we got to, you know, we got to focus on the eras that these different guys play in. Because listen, take Ty Cobb out, take Babe Ruth out. Maybe there's a bunch of guys you can take out, but that's never going to happen. So what do you mean? What I don't understand. What, what do you mean by that? Take well, Ty I'm Cobb talking about. I, there's a lot of players in the Hall of Fame from the early 1900s, middle. Or coming into the 30s and 40s, that wouldn't make the Hall of Fame today. Wouldn't even come close. So I'm talking about you got to put them in with the era that they've pitched in, and that's where you got to compete in the eras. The only chance Freehand has is through the Veterans Committee, and there was enough controversy yeah. with both with both Jack and Tram going into the Veterans Committee yeah. to name just right. two. So it's just not going to happen for him. Are you ready for the mailbag, boys? I'm ready. So relaxing for me now without you-know-who here to rush me through the mailbag <laughs> and every letter. You better erase that. Uh, but as we say, perhaps he'll come back to us after his vacation in Florida, where he is right now, playing golf on the other side of the state. And on the mailbag, we'll start with our Twitter addresses. You can tweet Denny at MU2Denny or me at Bob Page Sports. So um, just the other day, Denny, our friend of the show, Iffy the Dopester. Iffy, we, hi. Yep. Tweeted a very cool, you know how many great pics of you he puts up, where he gets all these pictures, I, I don't Unbelievable. know. Unbelievable. Yeah. So he tweeted a very cool pic of Lions legendary quarterback Bobby Lane oh. with a football in his hand on the field using what looked like a bowling motion. That, of course, prompted me to suggest a dream matchup on the bowling lanes, Bobby versus the famous former Major League Baseball pitcher who swears bowling should be practiced by all pitchers. And Denny, that famous pitcher being you, this comes from Todd Morse, who tweeted us, for as long as Denny McLean has been saying that, I've been thinking about it. Then I asked my dad, a bowler and a pitcher, and my dad's answer was, quote, to deliver the ball in both sports, you're pushing off your back leg for power. Is that what you were getting at when you meant bowling is so good for pitchers? I did a lot of bowling because I tried to keep my legs in shape because I knew my stuff, my fastball came from my legs. And as long as I kept my legs in good shape and I did my running every day like an idiot, uh, I, uh, was fine. I was, I was okay. But Why do you say you were an idiot to, to run? Cause all pitchers used to do that. 
Yeah, well, the outfield we got carried, track, there for a while. We got carried away with Johnny Sane didn't believe in it at all. And Johnny was the greatest pitching coach, I think, in the history. And uh, because mechanically he could demonstrate to you and he could also tell you in layman's terms exactly why the ball was doing what it was doing. He was just uh, one of those guys, you know, they they come along once in a while and you hope that you get a chance to play for one of them. But uh, I got lucky. I was with Sane for a couple of years and. He was a joy to be with. Okay, well, okay. So Johnny didn't like running. What was the thought process behind the philosophy of the time? Oh, Is okay. It, is your legs to be strong I'm and sorry. running makes yeah. you stronger? Uh, I'm sorry. The, it wasn't the idea that he was against running, but he thought you should pitch more. So if I pitched on a Sunday afternoon, he would want me to throw for about 10 minutes on Monday, late in the afternoon, and throw another five or 10 minutes on Tuesday and throw another 10 minutes, 10, 12 minutes on Wednesday, the day before my start. So he exchanged the running for the throwing. And in that way, you could work on your stuff all the time rather than trying to figure out how you're going to run a, a 3.2 mile. Uh, he just didn't believe in it uh, because he thought it just took too much away. Also in the mailbag, Spanky Jenkins on Twitter wrote, Eli is missed, but you guys do a great job without him. And hearing more from Brandon works very well, too. Good. Here's an email from David Foster, an attorney who's originally from Detroit. Bob, I need some advice. You seem to have been able to stop caring about the Lions. Why can't I? I've lived in <laughs> I've lived in Indianapolis since 1997. I've been a Colts season ticket holder for almost 20 years. Yet I can't break the habit. I need FLs Anonymous. You're the a past man. few weeks may have finally broken me, Bob. <laughs> Patricia and Quinn get fired. Spielman comes into the front office, and the Lions announce they're going to do things the Lions' way. One problem: the Lions' way stinks. They've been awful for 60 years. The Lions had Robert Sala with Roots in Detroit in for an interview and did nothing. Arthur Smith was last on their list for an interview, canceled. George Patton, assistant GM who works with Spielman's brother, interviewed. No offer. Ed Dodds, assistant GM for the Colts, had an interview. He's very picky, has refused certain teams. He left without an offer. Apparently, the Lions had a Zoom call with numerous, quote, valued alums, including Luther Bradley. He happens to be Brad Holmes' uncle. Guess what? He likes his nephew. Restore the roar. LOL. I'm despondent. Signed, Dave. Thank you, Dave. Thank you very much. Website submissions, nofiltersportspodcast.com, or you can email us directly, asknofilter at gmail.com. Thanks to Mike Vandegenst of Gross Point for his personal note. And Mike adds, I continue to listen to every podcast you guys have made. Great guests and always informative. Hopefully this terrible plague will be someday behind us to all of you guys. Keep well. I pray, I pray, I pray, I pray. Not working so far, is it? No. Good point from listener Paul Yosefik. Paul, you got to help me with these. <laughs> All you I guys know, with some tough. of these last names. Some can be very tough. I hope I got that right, Paul. Anyway, uh, he says when former NFL players die at a relatively young age, the first thought is CTE. However, there's never any discussion of the internal organ damage sustained during a player's career. The constant body shots result in bleeding and inflammation of the heart, liver, kidneys, pancreas, etc., plus all of the anti-inflammatory medication over the years yes, running through their livers and kidneys that can cause issues. Many, many issues. It, uh, 
And it's the ding dang is I never had any real issue when I played unless they missed the injection spot. But uh, if they didn't, then I could pitch for a couple of times without having to get another shot. But uh, once you get on that stuff, it's tough to get off. It's just almost impossible to get off. You just, you look forward to that day when you're getting your injection. And most of the time uh, on the fourth day, I got my injection in the afternoon so I could pitch at night. I mean, it all was the, all uh, the cortisone that they say never leaves your body, all the shots you had. I mean, can you actually pinpoint any negative uh, that from the cortisone that you experience? I mean, do you have any symptoms from it? Yeah, I got uh, arthro. Uh, what do they call it? Arthritis. Um, osteoarthritis. Well, everybody gets that. Yeah. Everybody gets that. When you, I have that myself, everybody gets that. Yeah, so nothing specific. Yeah, but Denny, you can't lift your arm at a certain length. I can't lift my arm. I cannot lift do it above my shoulder. Do you attribute that Not to? Do you attribute that to maybe the career and the and just the motion that you've done over the years, or do you attribute that to the cortisone shots? I, 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 it's a little bit of both, but, uh, it's more or less from throwing with a bad arm and the more you throw, the worse it's going to become. And that's exactly what happened to me. So you're saying Drew Brees should retire before he can't lift yes. his arm. Okay. okay. We love our, we, we love our lady listeners. We love to hear from them. I think Kim Garzanitti has written this before she writes us this time. Bob, I was glad you mentioned that you did not like Frank Beckman. I do not either and thought I might be the only one. As an occasional listener to WJR a few years back, I happened to catch Frank interviewing Elizabeth Vargas. I was completely appalled by the time the interview ended, considering that she was willing to come on his show and discuss her extremely difficult struggle with getting sober. You'd think Frank would have been compassionate and understanding. Yeah. Instead, his tone was judgmental, critical, and overall harsh. I don't know what his problem was, but it was obvious that she picked up on it. I just felt absolutely terrible for her. What an ass. Thank you, Bob, for saying you don't care for Frank Beckman. This gal certainly doesn't either. Kim, I don't want to get into this too much. So I didn't last show and I'll just get into it a little more now. I have never heard Beckman do his right wing radio talk show on WJR. So I missed that interview, but he and I worked at WJR together beginning in 1975. Did you know Frank never graduated from college? He only went to, as we call it in Southeast Michigan, 12-mile high school, Macomb Community College, yet was hired by WJR as a news reporter anyway. So once there, he desperately wanted to get into our sports department, which at the time consisted of sports director Bob Reynolds, legendary Tigers announcer Paul Carey. Anybody remember Charlie Neal and me? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Okay, so I, I watched as, as Beckman maneuvered his way in. He knifed Reynolds in the back, and Bob Reynolds, in truth, deserved to be put out to pasture at that point, and then somehow became sports director himself. Frank went on from there to do what he did, and he had a very long and some hey, people he made it. He made it work. Career. I don't know why you got to bring in the shot about a college degree, like yeah, uh, like it's, it's such a big deal that he didn't get necessary. one. Eighty percent of America doesn't get college degrees. So, uh, do you think that people in in his position hosting big time talk shows are without education, without a formal education, Brandon? I don't think that you necessarily have to go to college to be able to talk into a microphone. I agree with that. I agree with that, but that's not the point. I would, I think it'd be hard pressed to find anybody. Well, I will say this though. I don't know. A lot of people didn't know this. Peter Jennings, the legendary ABC TV anchor only had a high school degree. 
He never attended college at all. So, okay, if you think that if you think that was a cheap shot at Beckman, I took, then I take it back and I apologize for it. Yeah, I think okay. it's a cheap shot at anybody. And tell my buddy Frank I apologize. I think it's too, a cheap okay. shot at anybody who didn't attend college because there's a lot of people who just don't have to. Okay. okay. Then I'm going to stand corrected on that one. Don't forget, you can also call us. You can leave a message for us, or you can text us. The number there is 760-89-BALLS. So um, last week, a friend of the show and Denny's friend, Ty Emelander, lamented domed stadiums in the NFL, which he felt has helped players become dangerously fast. I talked about how miserable outdoor games were in the frigid Detroit weather at the Tiger Stadium of my boyhood. So Ty wrote back to say he saw only one game, he's younger, at Old Tiger Stadium versus the Chiefs in 1971. He was nine years old. I was at that game too. And he says, I don't recall being bothered by the cold or the weather conditions. I was there to watch my Lions play. I'll never forget watching who I thought was a giant, Rocky Freitas, Rocky Freitas, and he was a great guy too, by the way, uh, walking off the field with gold-fashioned mud all over his uniform. So I remember seeing my team beat Kansas City that had so many Hall of Famers on it. My heroes, Lem Barney, Charlie Sanders, Steve Owens, yeah. all played well that day. He says, I've been to Lions football games indoors quite a few times, but I think outdoor football was the best. It works in Green Bay and Chicago still. It also seems to be a huge home field advantage for the always sold out Packers. Is Florida spoiling you, Bob? I love the show and tell Eli to golf, smoke up, relax, and hustle back. <laughs> Good for well, Ty, you. let me tell you something, buddy. There, there is a real reason why everybody's grandma and grandpa live or at least spend winters in Florida or Arizona. And I have grandchildren myself. When you get older, you just don't like the cold weather anymore. That's right. Absolutely. I mean, Denny'd love to get his butt down here to Florida, but he hasn't been able to yet. I Brandon, sure I see your future. You'll be down here someday in Florida. You <laughs> know think, you will. I think probably Arizona. before the end of this year. I Good. do love I do love West Florida. I love the West Coast of Florida. So Me too. who knows? Maybe that's in my future, but I, I love I grew up here and I love my winters. It gives me an opportunity to do some snowboarding, gives me an opportunity to uh, hop on a sled behind a buddy's pickup truck. It has a lot of memories for me. And right now, my two year old little girl loves running outside and playing with the snow. So I'm enjoying it. But you are I, correct. I, I, I'm probably going to want to get out of here as soon as I'm uh, considering retirement. <laughs> I felt the same way you did when I was your age, when I was exactly your age, now 36, right, 37. I was on WRIF in Detroit. Michigan and Michigan State played in the Rose Bowl back-to-back years, and the station sent me, sent me out to Southern California. They put me up in very lovely hotel in Beverly Hills, and I've always been a runner, you know, workout freak. I'm out running on December 31st in Beverly Hills. There's not a cloud in the sky. It's so beautiful. It's 77 degrees, perfect. And I thought Perfect. to myself then, someday I'm going to live like this. Now, it took me a long time to do it. I went to New York first and worked there all those years. But let me tell you something. I'm looking out my window. It's very cold here today. It's 70 degrees, but it's sunny and nice, cold for us. And you just, when you get older, you just like the, the warmth. You like the sun. You'll appreciate it someday, Brandon. Nothing, like, you. nothing like sun on a morning that you can sit out on your balcony and have something to drink, something to eat, 
and then take a nap. <laughs> and, and how about when you were a young guy and you got to leave the cold in Detroit or Chicago and come down to spring training when pitchers yeah. and catchers reported early, all of a sudden you're going from four feet of snow outside your door and it's 78 degrees. Must've yeah. been real nice. There's some great benefits uh, being a major league player. You go down there for 60 days for spring training. You're in the 75, 80 degree weather eating, uh, the best food and, and uh, staying in the nicest hotels. It's uh, it's a great lifestyle, folks. And God almighty, if your kids can do it, let them go. That's the mailbag. And now let's get to our special guest. Philip Gregory Hubbard, born December 13th, 1956, came to the University of Michigan as a freshman in 1976 out of Canton McKinley High School in Ohio. He moved right into the starting lineup for Johnny Orr at center, though he was only 6'7" and wound up at age 19 playing on national TV in the national championship game that year, which I covered at the Spectrum in Philadelphia, as the Wolverines led at halftime but wound up losing to Indiana in the first all-Big Ten national title game ever. After three years at Michigan, Phil was drafted 15th overall in the NBA's first round by, remember this, folks, I know you do, Dick Vitale and the Pistons. Three years later, he was traded back to his hometown in a deal that helped Detroit eventually win a couple world championships as it brought in return a then overweight, underachieving center out of Notre Dame named Bill Lambeer. Phil went on to a 10-year career as a player before a long career as a coach. In 1992, he was inducted into the University of Michigan Hall of Honor. Phil Hubbard's number 35 jersey was retired by the University of Michigan in 2004. He was inducted into the Ohio Basketball Hall of Fame in 2008. Hubs, how you doing there, man? What's going on? I'm doing great. I'm actually doing great. It's and you're living in Washington, D.C.? I live in actually in Virginia, close enough. <laughs> yeah. How far are you from the city? About uh, 16 miles. Oh, that's pretty close. One of your assistant coaching stops was with Washington. And so yeah. you just liked D.C. and decided to stay there? Yeah, it, it turned out to be a pretty good place. Uh, I had a lot going on here. My kids were growing up here. So I just we just stayed here and it worked out fine. What are you doing now, if anything? I coach at a – in fact, we was on ESPN last night. My high school team that I coached with was on ESPN 3, played uh, – Really? Uh, ranked number six in the country. I guess wow. we were ranked. Uh, we lost to uh, Sunrise Academy. We played last night on ESPN3, and uh, it's going pretty good. I, I, I help out over there. We've got a great coach, Ken Carrera. We've got great players and uh, young players, Trevor Keels and Doug. The, you know, a couple of players that uh, are high level. So we're, we're, not, we're in good shape. It, it keeps me busy, you know, you, but it's kind of uh, tough right now. Are you allowed to do recruiting like the colleges do? I'll recruit. Yeah, I recruit. I recruit players to Michigan. That's where I recruit players. To. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but the players have the right to go. You know, they go where they want to go. But if they ask me yeah. about Michigan, I will give them a, a excellent report. And we got, such, you know, now even be, you know, Juwan there and Coach Beeline was there before, but Juwan's doing a great job. So yeah. uh, it's a great place, you know. Mm -hmm. And basketball's back. You see, if we can get the football back. So young to be uh, a starter and such a good player at Michigan. Were, were you nervous going into that national championship game in 76? You were just a boy. No, I don't. I don't never got, I never got nervous about basketball. Okay. I mean, I figured once I crossed the court, we was on the court, I just play. I, I think, you know, we played a lot of big games. I think I might've been nervous about my first big 10 game or something like that. But by that time we played them a couple of times, 
I felt uh, pretty good about the game. Uh, I felt we had a chance, but I don't think nerves was there. You know, it just you don't you don't really realize it when you're a freshman. You know, just trying to go out and play as hard as you can and do things that help your team win. But as far as nerves, I, I don't I don't think they were there then. You, know? you guys all played nervous in the second half. I thought you were going to win. What happened when you look back at that? Oh, uh, I think that they came out and jumped on us, and we we never hit our stride again. You know, we we uh, let them get the pace up, get to running, didn't score. You know, we had stops. You know, we just we just didn't play well the second half. We we really they got going and we went the other way. They went up, we went down. Yeah. Your teammates, uh guys like Wayman Britt and Steve Grody, Ricky Green, the other guys, are you in touch with them still? Yes, I've I've had uh communication with most of my teammates, uh Ricky a lot, uh Wayman a lot, Grody every now and then. I, I do talk to him. you try to stay in touch because he you knows it's a small world even though it's a large place, but you know, that connection that we had at Michigan, it's, it's always going to be there, the bond that we built there. But, yeah. you know, you, you, you live in different cities, but again, you know, the basketball team has done very well having reunions, bringing everybody back, which is, has really been solid and help you, you know, connect again with the guys you haven't seen in a long time. Center is not the most romantic position in the world. Why does one, where the hell does it come up with the idea that you want to be a center? Especially your size, yeah. Well, it, that wasn't how it went down. It went down. It didn't go down like that. It went down like I played center in high school, and most of the colleges who recruited me uh, had said that I, I said I wasn't going to play center. I was going to play forward because I was really six seven. Uh, and most of the colleges said that I could play. I could play a forward, no problem. The problem that happened in Michigan that we had Wayman Brent returning, we had John Robinson returning. And really the only open spot was at center. We had Bergen, uh, and he was supposed to be the start center, but uh, really it, it was the only open spot uh, in a way because they had a commitment. You know, both guys had played well. John had played okay well, and Rick had played, and uh, Wayman had played well. So they kind of tricked me. <laughs> uh, you only <laughs> played that's, um... that's the only spot that's open, so I'm <laughs> happy. You know, I'm, I'm playing. I'm, I'm excited. You know, look, I took it. I took it and ran. You know, I didn't have no complaints about it. I took it and ran, and I enjoyed playing, you know, uh, center at Michigan. You know, it worked out fine, but I was – that's why we could have just said in the in the program forward. Like today, that's all they'll say. They'll say they'll start three forwards. They won't start a center. Yeah. So, you know, that back in back in the day, that would have to be a center. But now you can say, look, we got three, three forwards out there. Yeah. You only um you only played three years at Michigan. You had a serious knee injury that you suffered in the World University Games, required surgery, missed your junior year in Ann Arbor. And that knee injury really bothered you the rest of your career, also in the NBA, didn't it? Just think of how good you could have been, right? Without that knee injury? Yeah, I think I think so. But you know, I I figured it out. You know, back in the day then knees were different and uh surgery was different, but you know, it was a it was a hinder, but I still was able to play 10 years on that knee and I, you know, but different type of player to change my game a little bit, you know, maybe play sometimes below the rim above, above the rim. But <laughs> I think for sure I would have been a different player, but things happen for a reason, you know, and, and you were able, I was able to adjust, but it, you know, I just think surgery today and surgery now you know, players come back a lot quicker. You know, yeah, they don't yeah. put you in the cast. They don't do all that, you know, it's just the time that it was, but, you know, it definitely worked out. It did take away some things, but I have nothing to complain about at all. Yeah. 
Well, did you like playing for Johnny Orr and for and by extension Frieder, though he was an assistant coach on the team? I love playing for Coach Orr. I mean, um, I had no problems with Coach Orr, uh, Coach Frieder. It's funny you say that because Frieder was the one that recruited me. I mean, I was to give you a quick story. I was about to go to Iowa. To be honest with you, I I was I was going to go with Ludos into Iowa, but Frieder came to my house that Sunday night before one day before the, the, the letter of intent was about to run out. You know, he came to my house that Sunday and said, well, if you don't sign this letter today, we, I said, well, I ain't ready to make my mind up yet. You know, and this was like at maybe 12, no, maybe three 30, something like that in, in the daytime. And Frida stayed at my house all day. <laughs> he, did, he did not leave till I signed that paper. I must've signed that paper around 11 at night. <laughs> that night to go to Michigan, but he would not, he would not, he would not leave, you know, and they kept saying, well, I talked to have a conference. My mother and father uh, kept talking about it. And then Frida just wouldn't leave. He wouldn't leave his wife. Him and his wife, Janice was at my house all day that day. <laughs> well, why not Ohio state? Why not Ohio state? I think Ohio state was struggling at that time. I, I mean, I really consider Ohio state. Ohio state was probably my, my other choice besides Michigan, but, but I thought if I'd have waited to Monday, I was going to go to Iowa. I really thought that Ludos and me and a, a, a friend of mine from Toledo, Truman Clater, was supposed to go to Iowa together. But he went to Kentucky. He went to Kentucky. So that kind of changed the whole the outlook yeah. of where I wanted to go. So I ended up going to Michigan, which worked what, out fine. What was the objection you were fighting uh, with not going to Michigan or going to Ohio State? What was the one thing that was getting in your way at Michigan? Uh, I just think that I was this Ohio guy at the time, you know, oh, I grew okay. up in Ohio and, Makes and, sense. and, uh, I was strongly recruited in Ohio, you know, uh, it just was tough to not go to Ohio state because, you know, I grew up watching Ohio state as a kid, you know, and I thought that maybe in the place I was going to go, but once I went, I just didn't collect, connect, connect with Fred Taylor at the time. He was the coach. I didn't connect with him mm -hmm. as much as I connect right. with uh, Coach Reed and Coach Orr. So it, it just it just didn't happen. But I really thought I was going to go to Ohio State. If you had to, you know, ask me that early in my career, I said, "Well, I'm going to go to Ohio State," but I didn't end up going to Ohio yeah. State. Well, then while you're at Michigan, you had what I guess would be probably be filled the, the biggest soul of your entire life. You won a gold medal in the 1976 Olympics at Montreal. You had 10 points and seven rebounds in the gold medal win over Yugoslavia, which had knocked out Russia in the semifinals. And I bet after the 1972 debacle, we all know what happened to our Olympic team. You guys were disappointed, weren't you? Didn't you want a piece of Russia instead of Yugoslavia? Oh, we, we definitely wanted a piece of Russia, but you know, we, we to go back a little bit about this just a quick, the team, Ricky and I got invited to the tryouts. I assumed that Ricky was going to make the tryouts and I was going to probably get, you know, go just to be saying I got a letter and try out. But when they picked the team, the 15 guys, I was on the 15 guy list to come back. So, you know, that was kind of a shock right there. I was like, wow, I'm coming back to play. But, but once I got there, you know, I played with the, uh, Kim, not, I mean, Scott May, Adrian Danley, all the Mitch Kupchak, Ernie Grunfield, all the ACC players, and uh, Coach Smith. And you, was, and you must so, have known Tommy Lagarde from Detroit. I knew, too. I knew Tommy. Tommy was yeah. great. Tommy played. You know, we had four North Carolina players: Walter Davis, yeah. Tommy Lagarde, 
Phil Ford and Mitch Kupchak. You know, that's why we took a lot of heat. Coach Smith took a lot of heat for that. But um, I got to play in mostly every game, you know, a little bit. I didn't start, but I played in almost every game. And it was a great experience. It's probably, you know, one of the experiences that really you, you'll never forget. And every time Olympus come on, you, it reminds me that I was there. I did this. <laughs> yeah, that's really that, cool. That's that's yeah. a, it's a great thing on the resume, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And then you, you talk about a great college coaches like Orr and Dean Smith. You go to the NBA and you play for a different kind of coach. A what was guy. Dick Vitale like to play for with the Detroit Pistons? I, I, well, I'll, I'll just say this: I, Dick drafted me, so sure. I, you know, so I, I, you know, I always appreciate that. No matter what I think about his coaching ability, I appreciate him drafting me. You know, giving me an opportunity. So he knew something there, but. Uh, he was different because the pros was different. I mean, the whole thing was just, you know, we were losing, uh, you know, Dick was yelling a lot, you know, he, was <laughs> Dick? His voice. <laughs> he wasn't as smooth as he talked. Now he used a, a lot of different words that, I would use today, <laughs> you know, but, and, you know, and, um, he, he was into a second year, but he, you know, he it didn't, that, one day he didn't know coaching none. He just, we just didn't win. We didn't have a very good team. We had we had five rookies on that team. We had myself, Earl Evans, Greg Kelser, uh, Terry Durant, the late Roy Terry Hamilton. Durant, and the, Roy the Hamilton. Tracy messed up out of UCLA. Roy, yeah. Roy Hamilton. And wait, wait a minute. We had Earl Evans. We had six. Then we had all rookies. We had rookies on that team. But you know, and but uh, and then we had John and uh, Terry Tyler, who had just played one year. Mm -hmm. So you know, it was a young team. And we, we thought we could win, but I always, I always remember this. Bob McAdoo was the veteran. And I always said, at Christmas, we played in Cleveland. Uh, right before Christmas, we played in Cleveland. Maybe it's 10 games in, and we lost. And Bob McAdoo said, the season is over. <laughs> I said, the season's over. We only played 10 games. What do you mean the season's over? You know, it just he had no commitment to want to play in Detroit. That's what all no. it was. Really? But I was like, and you know, and that's why I called him Dog. <laughs> I did, you know, because yeah, he no, just, he it was obvious. He didn't want to be there, he, Phil, he one of the greatest talents who ever lived. Yeah. He didn't want to be in Detroit and uh, we had a good relationship. But I was like, veterans know that show. He didn't show any leadership to us, you know, as young guy, you know, and we were like, we were trying, but you know, he, he didn't want to play. He just didn't want to play because he wanted to go to Boston and they, Boston traded him and then he ended up getting there to uh, us in Detroit, but he never played. I don't think he played 20 games. I don't think yeah. he played 20 games. It, it, the whole thing was a disaster. What did he, what did he not like about uh, Detroit, or was it he just wanted to play in the mecca of basketball, Boston? He just, I think he wanted to play in Boston. He thought Boston had a better chance of winning. Yeah. He just didn't want to come to Detroit, and, you know, and then um, he didn't want to play there at all. He It never had nothing to do with Detroit, I don't think, as much as he just didn't like yeah. being playing for the Pistons. He wanted to. He, he heard the deal was going to, he was going to the Celtics. I'm going to the Celtics and then he ended up in Detroit and he just never, he never adjusted to that. So he wouldn't play. Yeah. But our back, our back, Red didn't even want him in Boston. I, mean, I think remember. Red did. I, I think he warned him at first, but I think the deal got better. They got a better deal for, yep. from us. From us, they yeah. got a better deal from Detroit. Yeah, so you they, played all those years in the NBA and then you wind up as an NBA scout when that's over, but then you become an assistant coach and, and what an mm -hmm. odyssey, my God, 17 years, essentially Atlanta, mm -hmm. golden state, Washington. I mean, you're all over the place. And I'm wondering myself, cause we were, we, we saw each other a lot during those years. Mm -hmm. Um, 
why not? Why didn't you ever become a head coach? And, and is that I, the greatest I, disappointment of your life that you didn't become a head coach? No, I became a head coach in the G League. I know <laughs> that. I think I, think I get I became comfortable in my role. Uh huh. You know, I yeah. became comfortable with my role, and I, I didn't. After time, you know, you I think there's a there's a there's a window. You know, you have to pursue. Uh, that opportunity, you know, and I was very happy as, as assistant and um, doing, having great success. But I think I didn't think of it. That. Then as the time got older, you start thinking about now you've been in here. You should have been trying to do this when you first got in. I wanted to get into tell them I wanted to be here because I think I, I may have let the window close a little bit. And then, you know, people think different of, of your of your ability or whatever, but they're looking for different type of guys that, and I never happened. So mm -hmm. um, I did become a head coach in the G League and overseas. But, it, you know, it's, it's just it's not. It's, I had a great career. I had nothing to be at, um, nothing to be sad about. But I think if doing it over, you I have to be more you have to be more aggressive about setting goals and not become comfortable with uh -huh. a situation. You can become comfortable. You're making you know, you you're winning. You, things are going well. You don't have all the pressure. Seven yeah. feet, seven inches over. You know, I do my job. I go, you know, I don't have all that pressure. Yeah. And I didn't want it. If you could play today, uh, could you? Could you play in a circumstances today? Forget about the age. I know you can't play with the age. That I understand. Yeah, I think so. I think because the NBA is such a fast-paced game, I yeah. can play today. I mean, the, the funny thing about it is they play no defense. You know, like guarding anybody. No. I mean, they're scoring. It's a scoring league. They score a lot, you know. Think about the, the scores lately. It's been 130 to 127. I mean, nobody's guarding anyone. You know, teams that attempt to guard will be at the end will have a chance to get in the playoffs and maybe win the championship. But the league is definitely a, a lot faster, you know, a lot more three-point shooting. We didn't do, you know, if you look at my career, I'm lucky if I shot 10 three-pointers, you know, because that, that wasn't what we did back then. Yeah. Now, they'll shoot 10 in one game. So I could definitely play in, in bas basketball. That's my thing. But, you know, it's just a matter of, you know, getting on. You could be uh, – help somebody win something. It's not that hard. It's not that what hard. What would you have done? What would you have done if you didn't play in the NBA? What, what would you – Well, have I had graduated with a teaching degree from right. the University of Michigan. So I guess I would have been uh, teaching uh, high school. Maybe. That's interesting. I, I, probably, I probably would have went overseas. There's no doubt. I probably went overseas and played basketball. I mean, I've I've never used a teaching degree in my life, so there's a chance <laughs> I would have definitely went overseas and played a little bit. I I would have played basketball first and then maybe tried that. But I, I, I you know, it's hard to say, you know. But I know one thing: uh, a lot of guys went overseas and played, and I would probably would have did that too. You worked for some very famous basketball people. Who among the head coaches, when you were an assistant, were your favorite guys? And was there anybody you didn't particularly like? No, no, I won't. There's nobody, didn't, but my favorite, one of my favorites, Lenny Wilkins. I enjoyed Lenny. I enjoyed um, Dave Collins, who I worked with at Golden State for a while. I enjoyed Eddie Jordan, who I worked with here in Washington. You know, most Eric Musselman. We had great relationships together. You know, I worked at Golden State. I mean, still, you know. There's nobody I didn't get along with. You know, that's another thing about being assistant coaches. You have to be loyal to the person that you're working with, you know, and understand yeah. their mm -hmm. situation. And, and they, they can trust you 
to get their message across. Because there's a message that has to be given, you know, and everybody's got to be on the same page from the head coach to the assistant coaches. But I think I work with a bunch of great guys, and I don't know anybody that I didn't just like, I don't, you know, work with that. I could say, well, I don't like that guy, but hell, I wouldn't took the job then. Why would I, why would I go someplace and be around somebody that I didn't like, you know, just, just to work, you know, and I wouldn't do that. I, I wouldn't do that. I, 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 I would, I, I enjoyed the people. I'm sure they enjoyed me and, and all the coaches I work with over my career. I, I think they all were great guys and I learned something from all of them. And then, as I refer to it, your odyssey, your basketball odyssey in 2015 takes you to the Korean Basketball League, Jeonju yeah. KCC Aegis. Is that the name of the team? Yeah, that's How, my how's, team. How's, your, how's your Korean hubs? You speak that pretty well now? Yeah, I'm speaking a little bit. Do you really? Do. Yeah. What was yeah, that I like do. for you over there? Yeah, I can no. speak that. <laughs> what was Chop that like suey. for you? Chop suey. It, Chop let me just suey. go back to how that happened. And I'll just tell you that um, I was ending my D League career. You know, I said, um, Lakers, we had just, they were going to change the coach, they told me. So I had a, a friend of mine, Jim Kelly, who came with me and said, well, my Korean team on social was looking for a, a coach. I said, well, uh, I'm going to try. I said, I think about it. I said, you should meet him, talk to him. And, uh, but before that, I also went to, um, I went to China before, you know, uh, one time I did like six months over there before I went to South Korea, I did China. Mm -hmm. And then, um, so now he comes back and I meet the Korean uh, GM and the, the guy is a co-associate coach. And we talk, man, and um, it, it connects, you know. I go over there. The league has 10, 10 players. Uh, two can all be American. You know, 10, 10 players. They got, But they have like a little uh, minor league team. So you can take about 18, but we only have two Americans per team. And it, it was great. I mean, we had a, we had, had very good success. But – after a while, you know, that it says it was supposed to be a six month season turned out to be like eight months. Oh, you know, eight, almost because we went there and in August and I didn't get back till like May because we was in the playoffs and all that. Mm -hmm. And so I enjoy, I still work for them. I, you know, I helped them find American players. I'm, I'm a consultant for them, but I talked to them. But that was a good experience, you know, but it just at my age, I was like, I, I'm ready to try to be home a little bit. You know finish my career in the States. You know? Well, you're so laid back. Uh, you know, I'd like to t just take a nap before this ends. <laughs> At Denny's no age, nap. he needs a nap. Believe me. <laughs> but he, 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 he must be because you take a nap anyway. That's yeah. exactly yeah. right. Denny, Denny, the other thing is this, Denny, that in the Korean say. league, what were the minimum salaries? What, what kind of okay. money were they paying? Pretty good to the American, the American players. They? Yeah. They, they did have a draft. And then in Las Vegas, they'd have a tryout and they have a draft. And you're American, you can make uh, $30,000 to $50,000 a month. Wow. It, you know, yep. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Is that consistent with today, too? Yeah, yeah. You know, no, now they, 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 wow. they put, a, they put, they put a, um, a salary cap in. I think the, they split between the two Americans uh, between 800, 750 to 800. They, you got to split between two Americans. They put the salary cap in. They can split. I mean, I can get, I can get five, Denny, and you can get two fifty. I, I was going to make a suggestion. Call the GM. Right. Tell him to call me. I can at least, I can play the right. organ and piano too. Yeah, no, mm -hmm. they don't need that. They don't need that. But, it, but it was a good league, and they're good. It worked out. But you know, again, it wasn't. 
high level. It was I, I considered like a mid level, um, yeah, mid level college, you know, in the league, you know, it has but but it was a good league. You know, oh. Danny, you want to know how laid back he is? I swear, I was at Michigan Media Day, and there weren't many people there. I yeah. promise you, very few. Uh, his freshman year, Johnny Orr comes to me and says, "Page, I want you to talk to some of my players. Come over here. I want you to meet Phil Hubbard." And here's this freshman man. I'm doing dental work on him, performing <laughs> oral surgery, trying to get him to say three things into my microphone. He's come a long way since then. <laughs> Phil, yeah, you still watching? I probably wasn't seeing much that day. I mean, you know, look, we. Campy had left, you know, they, they were, you know, we were in a, they were in a transition, you know, they still made a play. We we're in a transition. That was a but long, now nobody, you're 64. Now you're yeah, nobody, 64. <laughs> nobody had, a, nobody had an idea we were going to be that good. You know, you know, yeah. the guys yeah. coming in, they had no idea we were going to be that good. Yeah, as yeah. far as being 64, I've got underwear almost twice as old. No, <laughs> ridiculous. Hey, Phil, no, I, I know no, you, no, you, no. I, no. You're still watching Michigan a lot. I know we had what I think I, is an I'm aberration. Loving, I'm loving watching Michigan. I know they're going to have a tough time in Minnesota. Uh, you know, play a game, play a team within what, like less than two weeks. You blew them out. You know, it's going to be tough at their place. You know, it's going to be tough. But you like this team? How much do you like them? How much do you like them? Oh, I like Michigan? them a lot. I like them a lot. I like, you know, they defend. They get after people. They can make shots. They enjoy it. The, you know, the team, the camaraderie of the team and the, excitement of the guys playing together it's, it's big you know the uh, the big fella came from this area yep uh, yeah big fella the math the math mm-hmm. that yeah. we played the math three times last year um my my school called the six played them three times we won one they won two and uh they want to you know so he he's 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 solid he's he was solid he's been solid just like he's been solid for michigan you know he's, he's done a good job and then they got terrence williams another guy from this area you know that uh plays a little bit too so it's it's you know Juwan's Juwan's getting it together man yes he is getting it together yeah Hey, I know you're playing a lot of golf these days. Enjoy yourself in Washington. I can't believe all these years have passed. And here we are together again. Phil it's great to talk to you. Great to see you over our little Zoom yes. connection here. I know you guys good to talk to you guys too man you know by the Fanny- way Famous Danny McLean. It's always good to talk to you, man. <laughs> so, by the way, I I uh, played ball in Washington in seventy one or seventy two with the with the Washington Senators, the worst baseball team, the worst uh, professional team in the history of the world. And uh, I can only I lived on Burning Tree, the golf okay. course. And yeah, uh, boy, I, I tell you, except for the except for the baseball, everything else was a thousand percent. But great. look, 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 Danny, that's not true. Now they got the, we got the nationals, you know, but yeah. I'm still, look, but I, I hate to say this. I, I know we got the national, but I'm a Cleveland Indians guy. I'm a Cleveland Browns and I'm a Cavaliers. Well, my father-in-law <laughs> was Lou Boudreaux. So, so I, I've always, you know, I'm always going to be uh, with the, with my Browns and with the, with the <laughs> Indians first, but you know, I take the nationals, I take the Detroit Pistons, I, you know, too, but I take the Detroit Lions and then a little bit after my other team. Yeah. And the Detroit Tigers, you know, I always wanted to do well. But look, I'm just saying now, it's you know, you gotta you gotta have a team, but I'm always going back to the Browns. I've been a suffering Browns fan for a long time. Hey Phil, <laughs> I want to close. I want to say goodbye to Thank you. But you. as we record this with you, uh, we do um celebrate the and honor the memory of Martin Luther King Jr. today. Just put into words what this holiday means to you and what Dr. King meant to you. Well, you know, young man like myself at that time, you don't know the value of, of voting, you know, how important it is to be able to vote, be able to uh, go shop at certain stores, 
you know, we take for granted all the things that they fought for, you know, and all the things they had to, to endure just for us to have an opportunity to get a better life. So, you know, it, we, we appreciate all the things that uh, they fought for, that the Martin Luther King fought for, and, and just made a better way for us now because, you know, you always think about, you know, young players, young people really talk about, well, I haven't voted. But, you know, you don't think about all the people that fought for you to get a chance to vote. You know, yeah. I get you a chance to set it right in front of the bus, you know, but it's, it's, it is. But, you know, do you look at your history, study your history, but it's just a great day to celebrate. And uh, he was a great man. And I'm, I'm glad I had a chance to uh, read a little bit about him and understand what he fought for. And we're Thanks, really Phil. glad you were able to appear with us this morning. Thanks a million, Phil. All right. Hit him straight, buddy. Hit him straight. Uh, of course. No, I just, I just I, I, that I don't do a lot. But I do get a few pars. Well, I'll, always <laughs> carry a couple of balls in your pocket. Eli showed us how to do that. Oh, Eli, yeah, you just roll it out. Just, I found it. <laughs> yeah, I found it all the time, and it's yeah. always it's always dry and clean. Yeah, always dry. <laughs> Thanks, Phil. Thank, thank you, Denny. Thank you, Brandon. And folks, as always, thank you so much for joining us on this edition of No Filter Sports Podcast. All right, folks. Thank you very much.